Good morning. Turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 22. We're going to talk this morning about uh, parenting and how that works. Uh, some things that we need to upload to our kids. Um, we started last week, and I want to encourage you, if you weren't here last week or the week before, we talked about you. We talked bad about you, actually. Uh, I'd like to even say it. No, we didn't. But I want to encourage you, especially if you're a parent, to go back. Um, I've preached two phenomenal messages that you'll never hear any other place. Um, no, uh, I, I just want to encourage you. Uh, the last two messages were talking about parenting. And uh, I want to encourage you in any way that I can uh, to think through the Scriptures uh, when it comes to your home. I think that so often we look at the job of parenting and we realize that it's a, a tough task and we kind of gather and pick from all our resources and forget that God has spoken to us, that He has said something. And He hasn't just said uh, some great ideas, but uh, He has even talked to us in terms of what is fact uh, what it is that we can know for certain. And he shared with us that in his word. And so um, I would like to base my parenting not on that which is uh, public or um, cultural, the norms, but rather which is from the eternal word of God that is facts that I can base uh, my life on and not just my life, but our family as well. In Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6 uh, it gives us this charge and it says, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Uh, we are in the midst of talking about what it is to train children. I want to remind you that uh, one of my favorite phrases to uh, say is uh, when I say something is very difficult or it seems impossible, it reminds me of herding cats herding cats. And if you've ever seen a cat or had a cat, they just kind of do their own thing. And I can imagine having multiple cats and trying to train them in such a way to get in line, to stay in a certain spot. And they're looking at me like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Can you catch me? You know? Uh, and I think sometimes our parenting kind of models that, uh, that we are trying to coax our kids and here, kitty, 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 you know, I, I, I really want you to do this. Uh, I'm supposed to be the parent here, but I, I can't figure out how to really get you to do what I want you to do. And I want to encourage you again uh, from Proverbs chapter 29. If you turn over there, uh, one of the other general uh, charges for us as parents, verse 15, and a reminder uh, that this is serious business. It says this. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. I want to encourage you this morning uh, that we are called to train our children. And if we don't train our children, uh, they will be left to themselves to figure it out. And what will happen in leaving them to their sel themselves they will bring shame to their parents and specifically to their mother. You don't want to leave your kids to themselves. I think it's uh, such an easy thing to do in our, our culture today. 
we send them to school and whose responsibility are they when they're at school? Well, the teachers and the, the principal and, and we just kind of turn them loose and we say, uh, good luck to you. And if the teachers or the principals mess up, what do we do? We blame them. We march into their office and go, what's going on here? I can't believe you let that happen to my son or daughter. And if the teacher would be able to say what they wanted to say, they would say, I can't believe your kid's such a brat either. I wish you'd discipline them at home. I wish you'd train them. Can I hear an amen from any of the teachers here this morning? I saw you, JV. Uh, we're called to train our kids. We're called to train our kids. If we don't, uh, we leave them to themselves. And they will bring shame uh, to our lives. This is just w- what happens. This sense uh, for us is that we are to be hands-on parents. We are to, as we see what's going on in the lives of our children, and we should know, right? We should know what's going on in the lives of our children. I know that all of us have busy lives, parents as well. Uh, probably too busy. Probably too busy. Um, I'll just say that up front. Um, if we can't keep track of our kids, uh, we need to cut something out of our schedule. We need to just cut it out. Uh, because there's a sense in which all the other things in your life that you can do, somebody else can do. But being parents is the only thing, you know, mom and a dad, that, that, that's your role. That's God has placed you there. Nobody else can do that. And so we're called to train uh, if we don't. Uh, our kids are going to bring shame to us, and we are the only ones who can fill this role. I, I want to tell you that, that parenting is not a moment in time. It's not a moment in time. It's this constant thing that we do. It doesn't come on our schedule. You know, I, I know that uh, when kids go to the middle school and the, the high school and in college, they have classes that go on at certain times. And they show up for class, the teacher teaches, they're supposed to learn, bell rings, it's done, you move on. That's not how parenting is, is it? Is it? It's as if there's a schedule to it, there's classes uh, throughout the day, but nobody knows when they're going to happen. And, and God sets them up, He sets them up, being the only one who knows, and He sets them up and we need to be ready for class to teach and our kids need to be ready to learn as God brings those instances into our lives. Last week, we looked at things that we need to upload. And the idea, remember, is to take it from the camera and get it to the computer, right? Us being the camera, we have pictures and things that we have seen and touched and God has taught us. And we need to give it uh, to that next generation. The first thing we talked about last week was a fear of the Lord fear of the Lord, a right relationship with God. And that one, it was number one for a reason. It was kind of the, the very thing that all others kind of pale in comparison to. Are we handing down a relationship with the Lord? We can't give our children, make it for them, but as God works in our lives, as we have a right relationship with them, we will be able to model that, to share with them, to walk with them, to lead them uh, in a right relationship with Him. Number two, we talked about that God has given us a generational relationship 
that was made to impact, that we're supposed to learn from the last generation. We're supposed to be set up spiritually one generation to the other. And not just that, but that as grandparents and parents do what God wants them to do, their kids and their grandkids will look up to them, will praise them, will want to be like them. There is a generational impact one to another. We are not, we are not independent of one another, um, no matter who tells you otherwise. And then the third point we talked about last week was that pain will come to your life if you don't honor the Lord. Pain will come to your life. And, and parents, we need to download that or upload that to our children. They need to know and realize that there is a path laid out before them. And if they choose not to take that path, that pain will enter their life. Pain will be the thing that God... Uh, God is Sometimes uh, even um, as adults, we think that God is just nice. He's just nice, and he's just going to only let nice things come to our world, and that we can shake an angry fist at him and say, I'll do whatever I want, whatever I want, and you just bring nice things to my life. Uh, I'll tell you what kind of life I'm going to live, and God, you just give me all the stuff that I want. That's not how it works. Uh, and we need to be the ones to tell our kids that, to show them that, to, to point out when we see in their lives the pain they experience because of sinful choices and also pain in the world that comes from sinful choices. We need to circle it with the Sharpie marker and say, do you see it? Do you see it? That's where we ended up last week because I talked too long. But we're on number four this week. And it's kind of the corresponding uh, point to the last point, number three. This morning we we want to start with, blessing will come to your life if you do what is right in God's eyes. Blessing will come to your life if you do what is right in His eyes. Let me pray for us real briefly. God, thank You for Your Word, Your grace, Your mercy. God, none of us are worthy, not one of us. We're not worthy of your love, um, and we're not prepared nor worthy for the blessings of children. And so we call upon you this morning. We ask for your grace and mercy. We ask that you would guide our steps and encourage our hearts, make us bold, make us strong, make us wise where we are not. God, we thank you for this morning. We dedicate it to you, asking that you would work in us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Blessings will come. Turn over to Proverbs chapter uh, 16. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 20. Um, I hope that you've enjoyed the, the study in Proverbs. Some of us have come across Proverbs and we can't believe how much God knows. We're like his teenage child, right? Just, hey, it never dawned on me, Dad, that you're smart. It never dawned on me that you know about my life. Chapter 16, verse 20 says this. Whoever uh, gives thought to the word will discover good. And blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. 
Blessed is he. I love it. I love it. In Proverbs and Psalms, it uses this term blessed or blessed. And it's the idea of experiencing goodness that comes from God that is to be envied. To be envied. It's the idea where you get this feeling, don't you, sometimes, where you look at someone else's life and you go, oh, I wish I had that life. Looks like they're having such a good time over there. And and I wish I had what they had. That's the picture of blessed. It's because of the relationship we have with God and because we're doing what He has called us to do, we experience blessing. I want to tell you, this isn't some form of legalism. It's the idea of having that right relationship and experiencing the benefits that come with being close to God. Of doing what He called us to do. It's not. It seems so silly, but... Sometimes in our legalistic mind, we think, oh, so, you know, the, the good stuff, the things that I'll truly enjoy and want and will be fun is sin. So I can't do any of that. So if I'm going to obey God and do what he wants, I'm going to have a lame life. Uh, I'm going to be boring and, you know, we'll talk funny like nobody else talks or do something like that. That's not the picture. That's not the picture. A relationship with God is the place where we will experience the blessing of of all the the riches that come from being in right relationship with Him. Whoever gives thought to the Word will discover good. And blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. It's good for you. It is good for you to trust in the Lord today. It's good for me. And you know what? We need to teach that to our kids. It's real simple, right? If we experience blessing that comes from the Lord, we need to connect the dots for our kids. Wow, you're sure lucky, Dad. I am not lucky. In fact, I could show you many other times where I've been very unlucky. Okay? But when I experience blessing, that comes from the Lord. It doesn't come from me. And to constantly be connecting those dots for our kids and saying, this came from here, okay? And these things go back and forth because of who God is. It also says, if you'll turn over a few pages to Proverbs chapter 10. We talked about this uh, verse when it came to talking about money. Verse 22 says, The blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. No sorrow with it. He, He makes a distinction, not just about wealth, or even the idea that he blesses physically, but he makes the distinction that there's no sorrow with it. There are plenty of people who are rich in this world, and those riches did not come as a result of the blessing of the Lord. They came with the problems that come with riches, and they thought that they would make them happy and and fulfilled, and they're not. Why? Because that's not the way the Lord blesses. When He blesses you, there's not an issue of sorrow with it. You turn over a few more pages to Proverbs chapter 8. 
this is uh, talking about the wisdom that comes from God, that really the big theme of the book of Proverbs, that you need wisdom, the wisdom that comes from God. And this is what it says is the result of this wisdom. Verse 34 and 35 says this. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. It's, it's showing our children, it's, it's teaching them when they're young and, and reminding them as they're middle schoolers and high schoolers and or reminding them even as adults in college, what is it? What, what is it? It's that you need what God has for you. The wisdom that comes from Him, you need it. And as you, uh, as you seek Him, you'll find Him watching daily the idea of pursuing Him, wanting what He has, the wisdom that comes from God. And what does it say? As you find it, you'll obtain favor from the Lord, favor from Him. I, I see that picture, the obtaining of favor. It's the obtaining of favor of the King. To know that the one who is over all looks kindly upon you. That he sees your life and he's pleased. He, he sees what you are doing and he realizes that you're listening to him. There's a right relationship with the king who owns it all. That's good stuff. It's super important, super important that we download that, upload that to our children. Because you know what? Um... Our world uh, reminds us day in and day out that they don't think God's worthy to be praised. They don't seek His wisdom. They evaluate His wisdom and they go, nah, we don't want that. They evaluate it. They, they dismiss it. They call it uh, one path. Even worse, they call it intolerant and hateful. And yet God has a message the God who made them has a message for them. He says, listen to me. Listen to me. Come daily to my gates. Listen to me on my doorstep. Come to me. You want what I have. And as you find it, you'll obtain my favor. You'll realize the blessings that come with following after me. The same way as pain Parents, we need to point to people whose lives have been blessed because they've honored him. We need to circle it, point to it, magnify it, right? Make our kids sit before it and say, this is what it is. This is what, do you want this kind of life? Follow after God. Chase after him. Make him most important. Make him be the desire of your, shove away all other things. Because in him you'll find blessing. That's number four. Blessings will come to your life if you do what is right in his eyes. Number five. Number five. Humility is to be treasured and pride be purged from my heart. Humility and pride. Looking over at uh, chapter 11, verse 2. And... 
when I talk about humility and pride, the, the reason I think this is so critical in our homes is because we live in a world that treasures pride and downplays and tries to remove humility. When someone is truly humble, especially a child, what do we say? You need better self-esteem. You need to praise yourself more. You need to magnify your accomplishments more. You cannot downplay this. You worked hard. You deserve it. You deserve it. And yet as I look to the book of Proverbs, it has this pride humility thing that's super important for us to get. And it doesn't look at pride as something good and not good for the young man. And so if it's not good for the, it's not good for our homes. You're the best. Let me ask you a question. Um, is your kid the best? You've told him so. You haven't even qualified it sometimes, have you? You're just the best. It's tough because sometimes we're building pride in them. And if you have pride, you can't see humility, right? Let's look at this. Let's look at the verses that talk about this. 11 verse 2. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with the humble is wisdom. You want your kids to be proud of themselves? You want to boost them up? Then will come disgrace. Okay? What is the, the character trait that you want to see in them over and over? Humility. Humility. You, you want them to see that in amongst their siblings? No, that's a tough spot, right? Woo. That's tough preaching, isn't it? You want them to see that in amongst your family? You, you want them to see humility and service kind of go hand in hand, right? The one who's humble is willing to serve. The one who's proud looks for servants. His servants or her servants. Shouldn't somebody be doing this? I'm above this. Your home, in your home... You need to see humility, humility that comes from the Lord. Uh, move, move over to chapter 16, verse 18. People say this in our culture all the time. They quote this. They don't know where it came from, but they say it. Six, uh, 16, verse 18. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. Um, you get this picture, uh, that, so we're training up our children. And if one of the things that we love most about our children and what we want to impart to them is a sense of pride, you're a Bozler, you know, that's something special. Bozler, you know, you, you, you go around and they'll see a B and they'll say B is for Bozler. Okay. You know, and like all other letters pale in comparison to the B because B is for Bosler. A sense of pride. You you pump them up, you 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 cover them and you you magnify their successes and downplay the things that are reality. In pride you tell them they're the best, they're the best, they're the best, and eventually your kids will go off into the world. Are they the best? 
You can handle anything. You're like Superman. You're the best. And they'll go away. They'll go to college. They'll hop into our military. They'll travel to the great city of Bakersfield and set up life. And it'll be a great shocker to them when they're not the best. And I find it interesting that this connection with pride is not just, oh, it's going to be a bad day, but destruction and the falling and the stumbling. Why? Because they don't have a sense of humility, a sense of their own weakness. Humility is not taking a low place that we don't deserve. Humility is taking our proper place. Taking our proper place. And you say, well, I am better than a lot of people. Yeah, where'd it come from? Where'd it come from? You know, my family. Yeah. The Boslers, right? We're bees, you know? We, 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 we're, we're better. No, it didn't come. It didn't come from your family. Anything great that we have came from the Lord. And so for us to take pride in who we are and to seek to impart that to our kids is a dangerous thing. We look over We look over to Proverbs chapter 29. I realize this point uh, may take some redoing and even as I go over it in my own mind, I realize how much I have desired to boost up the pride in my kids. And and I'll even say it this way, uh not even intentionally but by my model that I think I'm the best. But the way I live, that I think I'm better. Proverbs chapter 29, looking at verse 23. One's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. It's one of the classic, uh, classic points of Scripture where the things that seem right to us, God flips upside down and says, you don't even get it. By seeking out pride, your own pride, one's pride will bring him low. They're seeking to boost themselves up and they're seeking to be great, but in reality, what they do will bring them low. But what will be the thing that brings us to the place of honor? But he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. God sees. God sees. He gives honor to the lowly. He chooses to exalt them according to his time and according to his value. So we need to upload to our children that humility is to be treasured and pride to be purged from our hearts. Number six, number six, riches and poverty, riches and poverty. We need to show our children, train them a right perspective on money. I was going over these verses and, and money's probably the most difficult one in Proverbs because it talks about riches being good. It talks about riches being bad. It talks about poverty coming from being lazy it talks about poverty as coming from circumstances. It talks about God's people blessing those who are poor. And 
It also talks about if we try to obtain a, a placement with the rich by giving them riches, uh, it will cause us to be poor. So there's a lot of verses on poverty. This morning, as I think about how we should encourage our children, I, I just picked out a few of them. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 1. Kids need to know this. And I think that in all areas, our modeling is probably the most powerful tool that our children will see and will pick up, and probably no greater area than that of wealth, how we view wealth. A good name is to be chosen, verse 1, a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, and favor is better than silver and gold. Um, Super important. So you talk to a a fifth grader, and you ask them what they want to be in life. And what will they say? I don't know. Uh, Kids are funny. They'll give you everything under the sun, right? Talk to a seventh grader, an eighth grader. Uh, what will they say they want to be? Talk to a high schooler, uh, someone who's planning for college. How will they unpack their life goals and plans? It's sad, but few uh, will be able to articulate this because they don't see it in their homes. I don't know if I'll obtain riches. I don't. I'll, I don't know how much I'll get paid. But I know this one thing, that I need a good name, and I choose that above great riches. I I, I want the idea of having relationship and and having that, because I know that it's better than silver and gold. We need to teach our children uh, the worth of money, but we also need to teach them that money's not worth it. That there is no worth in money. There is no sense of, of, of value that comes from the dollar. That we have something greater than the person that God is making us to be. So a, a good name. The, the worth of a good name. You look over to Proverbs chapter 27. Another important truth when it comes to, to money. To put it into perspective. Verse 24 says this. For riches do not last forever. Riches do not last forever. And does a crown endure to all generations. I look at that and I go. um, You didn't need to look at the book of Proverbs to see that. Some of you have experienced that right. That riches don't last forever. You thought you were super rich seven years ago. And then you got it all taken away. You didn't do anything, but it got taken away, right? Nothing really changed except you don't have the money that you used to have in your home. Or in your portfolio. Or you lost your job. You thought you were wealthy. You thought you were secure. And this is so important to teach our kids because if we don't, they'll be caught off guard. Do you think your kids will experience this someday? Maybe. The danger for them is this. That they might think that money will be there forever. 
that just because they have a few bucks that they're secure and they don't need to worry about anything. That they will even go on to talk about how that impacts a relationship with the Lord. But wealth doesn't last forever. Even from generation to generation. If you skip over to Proverbs chapter 30, verses 8 and 9. And I look at the, the perspective and the writer of the Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 30. He says this and... Uh, Look at verse 7 as well. It says, Two things I have asked of you. Deny them not before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. Lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Do you see that sweet spot there? <laughs> Looking for a sweet spot, right? Proverbs talks over and over again about the lazy coming to poverty. You don't want your kids to be lazy. You don't want to be lazy yourself to show them that you, you, you want to model that. But there's a sense in which sometimes in us desiring to teach a good work ethic, that it moves into greed, it moves into grabbing for ourselves. We say to our kids, you know, you don't want to be flipping burgers at McDonald's, do you? A friend of mine wrote something and he says, how dare we tell our kids that? It's a, it's a job. It's noble, right? Someone's willing to take a job flipping burgers. That's good, right? Plenty of people in our world today won't flip burgers, right? I'm above that. I will not do that. Oh, gross. I don't look good in that uniform. The uniform that you don't look good in is the one of your heart, of the lazy. To teach our kids, you've got to be willing to work and to work hard. But the danger is in teaching them that good work ethic, what, what do we do? We teach them to be greedy. How, how's your bank account doing? Oh, yeah, making money, getting things, getting security. I, I got all this money. I can do this. I can buy more. I can, I, you know, you get this sense of more, more, more. Writer of the Proverbs says, I, I need, I'm looking for the sweet spot because there's a danger to both. If I'm, if I'm poor, there's a danger in stealing. There's a danger in looking and, and want and saying, I can't figure out how to get it. I don't know how to work, so I'll steal. But there's also a danger in riches. And to be honest, I'll just be clear to you this morning. In this room, there's a greater danger for riches. That we would teach our kids, we wouldn't warn them. We wouldn't look for that sweet spot with them that they would look upon riches and think they're more valuable than they are. And what will be the impact? They'll be full. Verse 9, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Who is the Lord? Why do I need Him? 
I think it's interesting when he says, who is the Lord? When I think of that same question, I think of uh, Pharaoh. Remember what Pharaoh asked? Moses came to him. Pharaoh had everything. He was God of Egypt, right? And, and Moses comes to him and says, hey, we're out of here. God says we're, we're leaving. And Pharaoh asked the question, who is the Lord that I should obey him and let his people go? Who is he to me? I thought I was God. It's the same question, isn't it? It's interesting if, if you look uh, at what, how God answered Pharaoh. He didn't answer him through Moses. Moses undoubtedly had some things to say to him. But he answered him in the plagues. Ruined his country. He brought him low. You see, wealth, greed, causes us to become proud. And if we become proud, we don't think we need the Lord. There's a danger in that for our kids. There's a danger. We need to both model that and train them to see a proper perspective when it comes to money. Uh, chapter 21, verse 17. Just a few more when it comes to money. I'm right here with you, right? Raising kids too, struggling with these same things. We're all in this together, side by side, okay? Don't become discouraged. Let's just get busy, okay? Verse 17, whoever loves pleasure will be a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not be rich. Our kids have a candy heart, right? Our kids are, are wanting more. They're looking at catalogs, right? You need this new bike. I'll be able to hit the ball. You know, all I need is a $400 bat, and then I'll be able to hit home runs, okay? You know, I miss that ball. If I had that $250 glove, I wouldn't miss anything, right? Need new shoes. Everyone at school has different shoes. Oh, this, I don't like this shirt anymore. No one's wearing that anymore. I can't wear that. It's in Kmart. Everyone will know I got it at Kmart. You did get it at Kmart, son. It's the only place in town. <laughs> Whoever loves pleasure will be a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not be rich. Teach our kids, right? Can't have everything you want. Second hand's okay, right? It's okay. Hand-me-downs are good. Good, but we don't. We, we we love pleasure. We model pleasure. Chapter eleven, verse twenty-eight. So much we could talk about with this, and I know I'm kind of breezing over this. Verse 28 describes this sweet spot once again and the right perspective that we need to upload to our kids. For them to know whoever trusts in his riches, verse 28, trust in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. What a picture, right? It's uh, two or three times I can think of in the scripture where it talks about this greenness 
that comes from a righteous life, from walking with the Lord. And we know about this, don't we? Why do we know about this? Because we live in Tehachapi. We know what it is to be brown and dead. It's the landscape we live in. And yet we also know where there's a spring, it stands out. Where you water something, there's this peculiar attractiveness to it in the midst of a desert land. And he says that that's what you'll be as you're righteous. You will flourish like that green leaf. But the one who trusts in his riches, he'll be, his riches will fail you. They'll fail you. There'll be things that you cannot do. They will let you down. But the one who trusts in the Lord, the one who's righteous before him, will flourish like a green leaf. One last thing when it comes to a proper perspective. Uh, chapter 22 of the book of Proverbs. And once again, this is an important one as we think through how we train our kids. They need to have this perspective. It's important because it's the perspective of God. When you look at riches and poverty, what do you want to be? Do you want to be rich or do you want to be poor? You want to be rich. Thought that was a trick question, didn't you? The simple one, right? No one's seeking to be poor. They might be doing, taking steps to get there foolishly, but no one grows up uh, in high school, uh, you know, what are your career plans? Oh, I really hope to be poor someday. Really hope to be poor. There's a disdain. Proverbs talks about that as well. A disdain for those who are poor. And in our homes, sometimes when we talk about this work ethic, we can talk about uh, those who are poor in such a way where we look down upon them. It's a hobo. It's a bum. Doesn't have a job. Once you get a job, quit standing with that sign. There's a disdain, and yet the Proverbs tell us this in chapter 22, verse 2. And this is why, this is why you should grant honor and respect to those who are poor. Verse 2, the rich and the poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. You know, our sins can put us in awful situations, but if you're a man or a woman on the face of this earth, no matter what situation your economic status is, there's one thing, the fingerprints of God are on you. You're made in the image and likeness of God. That that He didn't design you like the animals, but there's a soul within you because He made you. We need to impart this to our kids. You know what? Uh, it's just natural for kids to separate based upon the color of one's skin, the economic place they are in life, whether they're educated or not educated, whether they're athletic or not athletic. We separate on all kinds of different things. This isn't about tolerance, okay? This isn't about bullying and not bullying, okay? It's about teaching our kids the worth of a soul because we're made by the same maker. We have the same brand name on us. That was number six, uh, riches and poverty. Show them the right perspective on riches and poverty. 
Number seven, number seven, and I'll just say it this way. Words matter. Words matter. Uh, I'm just saying, you know, when you say you're just saying, you're wanting to say something but not be held accountable for it. I'm just saying. I'm not saying. I'm just saying, you know. And you start mumbling around, but you really want to say something that makes a point, but you really don't want to be held accountable for it. I think sometimes um, in my home where we live, Bear Valley Road, where we just get together, no one else is there. Sometimes we look at the words that we say and we go, ah, they're just words. They're just words. They don't mean anything. Sticks and stones. You know, did you know that's not in the Bible? The whole sticks and stones things? It's not there. In fact, it tells us in the book of Proverbs, it's one of the huge themes of the book of Proverbs, is your mouth. It's what you talk about. And I think about what it is that, that uh, you know, we have a threshold as parents. We say, you know what? They can talk wrong as long as they don't act wrong. Uh, they can talk about hating one another as long as they don't act upon that, Right? They can say unkind words, but when they push and shove, that's when I step in. I want to tell you that when we act that way, when we are bystanders, when we, when we watch our children, when we speak from our own mouth with no filter on, this is what happens. I'll tell you what happens. Our children are left to themselves. They're left to themselves. We're saying, it doesn't matter how you talk, just do whatever you want. Just do whatever you want. I want to encourage you, uh, grandparents. That's not your time to discipline your grandkids. That's not your time. That's time to turn to your kids and go, did you hear that? Did you hear that? That's dangerous stuff in your home. I'm not here to tell you how to parent. But kind of, I'm just saying, okay? I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> just saying. I'm just saying. You, you want to... You want to see where it's found? I could show you a few verses. I've been learning at church about parenting, and I wish I would have known these things. Let me show them to you. Let's look at what it says. uh, Proverbs chapter 26, verses 18 and 19. Verse 18 says this, Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death is a man who deceives his neighbor and says... I'm only joking. Just kidding. You know. That is it present in your home? You say something awful and mean and cutting. You lead people astray. They say, Oh, just kidding. JK. Uh shouldn't be allowed in your home. Should be pointed out, should be circled and put a, a spotlight upon. Hey, we don't do that here. It's no big deal. It's just words. It's, it is a big deal, and it is words, okay? And words mean something. In our culture today, words don't mean anything, right? When we get caught and quoted on what we said and it was wrong, we say, oh, I didn't mean it that way. I didn't mean it that way. You, you, you took that wrong, didn't you? I meant that in the best possible way, and you took that wrong. 
how do you take you're a jerk wrong? You know, uh, we say mean things and then we say, oh, you just took that wrong. You just took that wrong. In our homes, we need to be the filter. We need to be on it, parents. This is not the passive parenting. Put it on autopilot and say, I'm tired. I, I know you're tired. I'm tired too. But I want to tell you, our kids can't be left to themselves. As you look over, uh, as we turn over to chapter 29, verse 5, I think this is interesting. Now, most of the time we look at this as something to be um, sought after and to be given. Twenty-nine verse five says this: A man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. Sometimes we're raising little salesmen, little saleswomen, right? We're teaching them to say things you don't mean, to flatter someone, to build somebody up, and then say, "Hey, can I go over to my friend's house today?" Oh, sure. You're just such a nice. You're just so sweet to me. But they're setting it up. It's not truthful. I want to encourage our, our, our children to treasure truthfulness. To speak not with flattering words that don't mean anything, that set or the big setup for the sale, but rather that they are truthful and cherish when people are truthful with them. There's reckless words. If you turn over to chapter 12, verse 18. Thanks for hanging in there with all the flipping page to page in the book of Proverbs. It's good stuff. There's one who is rash with words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Many of the Proverbs uh, lay side by side that which is to be rejected and that which is to be treasured, right? And that's one of those verses it says, it talks about the negative. The one who is rash with words are like sword thrusts. You know, if you can picture in your home, you have children. Maybe they're in elementary school. And you, you know, you get them a sword, huge, huge sword. And you, you get them both swords and you set them off in the living room and you just say, go ahead, have at it. You know, you're all fired up, you're all wound up inside, just have at it. Take those swords and do with whatever you want. You're going, you, you know, the grandmas here in the room are like, oh, no, my babies, they'll, they'll hurt themselves. Yes, they will. Yes, they will. And yet there are times in our presence we are hearing the words of our children. And they're doing that with their words one to another. And we're like, no, oh, it's too messy to get involved in that stuff. Oh, just let them be. They'll grow out of it. They will not grow out of it. They'll mature in it. They'll be. Uh, they'll. They'll learn to be more biting and cutting and more precise as the years go on. And their words will continue to do damage to the next generation. When it's rash with his words, are like sword thrust, tearing people up. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. You need to go over that, right? You need to rewind the tape. You need to be willing to stop the conversation and go, I heard what you said. How could you have said that better? 
And then they'll tell you, and then you say, how could you say it even better than that? Most of the time, uh, the way we want to say things is just to get by. I didn't sin saying that, did I? Uh, How could you have said that in such a way where that would have been encouraging and brought healing? You want to set your kids up great for the future, to be a treasured person in the community? Teach them how to encourage people with their words, to bring healing with their words. Man, that'll be so rare. It'll be like a freak show, right? Hey, you got to go see this guy. It's the weirdest thing in the world. He, when he talks, it's good for people to listen to them. It's so weird. I've never seen it before. The proverb says it's to be treasured. If you look over at chapter 15, verse 26, this is the kind of stuff that we like to hear at Bear Valley Church. I should say it this way. This is the kind of stuff we struggle with at Bear Valley Church. Verse 26, it says this, The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord, but gracious words are pure. Gracious words. If you skip over, there's another one in... uh, Chapter 29, I'm sorry, not 29, verse 16, 16, 24. Is that where we're at right now? Yeah, it's just down a few verses, 16, 24. Gracious words are like honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Man, I just love hearing them talk. Love hearing them talk. You know what? Positive reinforcement, parents. When your kids talk as they should, when they encourage one another, when they are gracious words in the heat of the battle, you need to stop. You need to stop and laminate it. Laminate it. Say, this is something we want to keep around here. This is something we want to, we want to do that again and again and again. Gracious words. Um, there's many more things. Um, we could talk about. I'm going to leave it there with gracious words. As you look through the book of Proverbs, we could have had a list of maybe 15, 20, maybe 30 things that we need to upload to our kids. These are just a few that I chose as we think about raising the next generation. I know sometimes it's discouraging, especially for those of you who are done parenting and you say, "Ah, I wish we'd done things different. Hey, we all wish we'd done things different. Next week, we're going to talk about how can we encourage a generation outside of our home, those kids that are already gone. Um, we'll work hard on trying to do that. But for those of you who are in the heat of the battle right now, I encourage you to stay in the heat of the battle right now and to be plowing through Proverbs and thinking about how you can interject that into your home so that you would not have a home uh, that's just uh, one of those missed opportunities and that you wouldn't leave your kids uh, to themselves. Let's pray and ask God's blessing in our homes. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. I thank you for the homes that are represented here today. I, as I look at these parents, uh, many of them, I, I think of their kids and I see their faces and obviously great potential, but in all potential, we leave them to them themselves, there's also great potential for heartache as well, for shame to be brought to our family. Not, not so much that, that we would be hurt, but that in their lives they would miss 
the blessing of walking with you. God, help us to be faithful to that. Help us to be reminded. Help us to be encouragements one to another as parents that we would team up and encourage one another as we plot against our kids or for our kids. God, thank you uh, for the opportunity of being a part of your church and being in the book of Proverbs. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being here this morning. You're dismissed.